This episode is brought to you by the NHL on TNT. When it comes to hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are built different. Experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it. Starting May 5th on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, dragouts, pressure, and agony as teams go head to head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through pain is the name of the game. With so much edge of your seat action, you'll refuse to shave or change your sweater. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs beginning May 5th on TNT and TBS. How do you explain the unexplainable? That warmth that fills you up from the inside out? Does it come from the air, the sea, the sun, the people? Or is it something that can't be put into words? Because Aruba is more than a beautiful island. It's a feeling that brings out a happier, sunnier you. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your next visit at aruba.com. We miss Cliff. What? Where's Cliff? Oh, Cliff. Where's Cliff? Oh, man. Cliff, when you hear this, Just we missed you for our intro. Give us a little, uh, hey, honey hole, hang out yeah. there, wherever you're at, Cliff. Wherever you're Cliff's Cliff's not with us tonight. He couldn't make it. But uh, we missed him for our intro. It totally threw off the beginning. It did. It played longer than it should have, and now I just don't even know where to go from here. Yep. Well, we do have an awesome guest. Gabe Cross. Yes. Gabe, give us like a, a little brief bio of yourself. Um. Well, yeah, my name is Gabe Cross. Uh-huh. Um, I'm 16 and been fly fishing for like six years now. Dang. And totally in love with it. It's basically like consumed my life. So, yeah. Pretty much everything That's you do. Me. Oh yeah. Do yeah, you do, do you go to school or do you just fly fish? No, nah, not school. Not okay. Just fly fish. Okay. <laughs> just fly okay. Fish. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a little teaser for you guys. We're going to interview uh, Gabe uh, in our normal segment at yep. the end, and uh, he ties f- custom fly boxes and uh, does some really cool fishing. So we'll talk to that him later. There's a little teaser for y'all to stay tuned. Um, uh, in the meantime, I'm pretty like fired up because I just drank. A whole cup of coffee. Yeah. And I can definitely. Yeah. He had a coffee with a sugar and now like literally the second the last sip was sipped. Now um, he's like right into a diet coke. Yeah. I'm guessing I'm going to crash about an hour and 20. Okay. Well, hey, we got an hour and 29 roughly to go. So yeah. let's push it a little bit longer. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, um, but we were having an interesting conversation before we hit record that we're like, uh, let's go ahead and get this on with the listeners yeah. um, about how we like to drink coffee. Ian, uh, you should probably start us off because you're probably the coffee expert of uh, the group. Ian. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I was actually not getting coffee. <laughs> this happens every podcast. <laughs> Um, how do you make do coffee really in the morning? Like coffee. You want me to talk about coffee real quick? Just how do you make it in the morning? Oh man, that's uh, honestly 
Yeah. Um, I will do a pour over yeah. or I will just do a pot of coffee regularly. Mm. Um, you drink a whole pot a day? No, you know, man, I used to drink four or five cups a day and I'm probably down to, or actually, I mean, honestly, I used to drink like seven cups a day. Um, I hey used man, to travel 20 ounces is four cups now. They changed it. <laughs> yeah, I used to, here's how it used to go down. I used to travel a lot for work and so I would have a cup in the morning before I left the house. I'd actually have a cup and then uh, get in my uh, truck and drive. I used going down to Houston and Dallas a lot, go to meetings, um, go to a bunch of meetings, have a cup after lunch, have a cup around 4 p.m., and then one on the way back. Um, you know, man, I do a lot of pour over. I like single origin. I will give a shout out to my favorite coffee brand, which is from Austin. It's called Greater Goods. Um, they just have really clean tasting single origin coffee. I um, Greater Goods. It doesn't feel, it doesn't taste burnt, it doesn't taste under roasted. Um, I'll have to send oh, you some. Oh, you can probably mm. get it in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know, there's a coffee company that's made in Austin that I don't want to put on blast, but they would fire all of their beans, and every bean I've ever had from them tastes burnt. Mm. So if you know the one that wood fires their stuff, it's probably that. I do know which the one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, I'll send you some greater goods, and they're they're an awesome company. They have a few stores, one's near my place. Yeah. I'll say just some uh, merit. That's my go-to. I do a Chemex every morning, mm. and yeah. uh, and merit is good stuff. Yeah, I like Black Rifle coffee, and I, there's a uh, another coffee that's like a fly fishing themed, like printed. It's made up in Maine. Oh yeah, the one that uh, the store sells. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember the brand of it. Um, uh, it's like uh, Rise. Rise coffee. Morning Rise. Rise. Yeah, yeah. It was good stuff. Good. Um, Gabe drinks I coffee like that too. too. Yeah, we drink uh, Pete's. Pete's is good. Yeah. 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 So. You guys do normal normal pot? Yeah, Will always gets up super early in the morning, so there's always a pot of coffee yeah. waiting for me when I get up. That's <laughs> nice. Yeah. We did yeah. pots, but then the uh, the calcium just breaks every pot we have, so then we're just like, let's just do a Chemex. Takes a little more time, yeah. but, mm. you know. And I do, cold, I do cold coffee. Yeah, so we're, Landon really doesn't do coffee. No, cold coffee is the way to go. Yeah. The, my thing is I don't have a cold brewer. You're supposed to actually brew it cold yeah, if like you're a, supposed to do it. Like a hottie, toddy style, right? That's what they call it, toddy. Uh, it's like a little machine thingy that makes yeah, a cold brew. Yeah, I guess oh. so. I don't know. But uh, you're supposed to brew it cold. Um, apparently it, it makes a darker coffee if you brew it cold. It picks up more of the well, yeah, because the extraction time is longer. Because you yeah. you let your bean or you let your grinds sit in the water overnight, and it extracts it. Because you don't actually make cold brew; you make like the extract that you mix with water mm-hmm. every morning yeah. or milk. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But what I do is I brew uh, a hot pot, mm-hmm. and then I have this uh, jug that I pour a whole pot into, and I put it in my refrigerator. And the morning, by the time it's morning it's cold and then i can usually get like three to four days worth of coffee from one jug i did learn this keep is it a, in the fridge though keep it in the fridge though yeah, this this is a uh pro tip um when i first started doing this i would um like put the actual coffee pot mm-hmm. in the fridge so you break it Right? No. Because oh. um, I'd let it uh, sit to room temperature before I put it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, what would happen, though, is I would drink water and get ice cubes, and I was tasting coffee 
in my water because <laughs> like the fumes would the get the fumes it. <laughs> would get into the ice maker and I could like taste it in the ice. So what I did is I like I went to Walmart and bought like a sealed like half gallon jug basically. <laughs> so like that cannot escape. There you go. So if you're gonna go my method of making coffee, just make sure that I don't think you, I knew you went to the effort every morning to make iced coffee. No, I don't go through the effort every morning. I go through the effort every three to four days. I do it in the evening, and then I put it in the refrigerator, and then that jug lasts me three to four days. I'm going to get you like an actual iced coffee little thing that makes good iced coffee. The iced coffee I make is good. But if you want to buy me something, I'll do it. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be nice. That way when Ian and I are talking about our Chemexes and our fancy pour overs, you're like, guys, I got the fanciest iced coffee maker too. Yeah. You can join us in. Um, so I saw something interesting and I know how in previous episodes we've talked about, and I, I sent this to Ian earlier. We had a conversation about it, um, about, uh, how we like to kind of poke fun at the whole flat earth. thing and we made a sticker about it Mm -hmm. well i found a new campaign that is on par with the flat earth what is it Ian? do you want to tell you want to tell them what it is man you go ahead because you've looked into it more than me but it's it it's it's pretty (laughs) it's pretty shocking (laughs) (laughs) so it's called birds aren't real Oh, yeah. No, you don't know this? No, no, no. I didn't know this was a thing until yeah. like yesterday. Have you heard of it, Gabe? Like government birds or yeah. something? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's what it is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there's like a group that believes that the gover- the U.S. government like killed off all the birds yeah. in the 60s and 70s and then replaced them with bird drones. And so that's how they're spying on everyone. Yeah. And actually part of them think that the coronavirus was really just an excuse to get us all inside. So that way we they could change out the batteries in the drones. Yeah, quarantine's <laughs> so. got quarantine's got everybody going like insane. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah I just saw real. that and I was like, well, now we now that we made a flat Earth sticker, we need to make like a fish aren't real sticker. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be the worst drone though, because all I would see is just like people's feet all the time. <laughs> this is true <laughs> there'd be no point to a, to a fish drone oh man but i just I, I i can't mentally wrap my mind around that um yeah but some things people just come up with just to like somebody says it as a joke and then somebody's like that's not a bad idea yeah yeah and it just runs from and there. then it just it just keeps going oh, yeah. and i don't know if people are like satirical about it and they're like oh i'm gonna buy a birds aren't real shirt or if this is just a real thing. When I went to their website, it seemed like a very real thing. Yeah, but you get those Instagram ads? The birds aren't real t-shirts? No, I never got an Instagram oh, ad. Oh, I get them. I don't know what that means. I but. saw a news story about it on oh. Facebook is how I is how I found out about it. And they interviewed this kid who believed it. And they asked him on the interview uh, if, you know, they're like, this, this, is, this has got to be satire. Like, what, what is, you know... What, what point are you trying to make with the satire? And the kid was like, that was completely disrespectful. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> so that's how I found out about it. And I was like, oh, man, this is like, this is. Yeah, I got an Instagram ad with like a really cool T-shirt with like birds with like binoculars saying like birds aren't real. And I was like, oh, that's like a neat little logo. And I Googled it and I was like, oh, I don't want to no, be don't representing that. I don't myself yeah. with no, that. No, not at all. Well, uh, so you get on a list. I, I have shot some birds in the yeah. past and they were definitely not robots. No. 
So yeah. I have I yeah, have proof. No, you know, yeah. Hey, maybe not all of them are robots, just some of them. Well, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Um, we got some questions though. Um, let me pull those up. And some questions specifically for Gabe. Let's see. Tell the truth. Who catches more carp? <laughs> you or Will Cross, which is your brother. Well, just so the listeners know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Will outfishes me all the time, which is tough to admit. But uh, I like to think I catch. I'm the better fly fisherman of the two of us. How, I like to think that. How old is Will? Fish. Will is 15. Okay, so he's a yeah. year younger than you are. Yeah. Year in like three months. So if if you're saying you're the better fisherman, what is he better at than you are? Uh, Will has more luck than me. So okay. luck yeah. is luck something you can be better at, or is that just? I don't know. It just seems like he catches like the the craziest fish in the weirdest ways. Uh huh. And it's just he like if you at, talk to him about fly fishing, he really seems like he doesn't know any what he's talking about. And then you go out on the water with him, and he just like smokes him. So. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the better caster? Who's the better caster? Um, I think I'm the better caster. Okay. What about honest. fly tire? Well, I'm the only one who ties flies. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, hmm. So you're saying he's got the luck side? Yeah. I, I know I'm bragging myself a lot. But no, <laughs> but <laughs> you need luck. Sometimes yeah. you don't. No, get it. Yeah, yeah. No. Sometimes people just have. Maybe it's more like the it factor when it comes down to it. Right. Well, there's a little bit behind like what. Uh, Does he have more confidence? Does he just go out there and like, because confidence yeah. plays a big role I really, in I catching know. fish. Or is it when you go out there, you're like, I have to do better than him. And then the pressure's on you. No, no, okay. not at all. Will, Will, and I'm not giving him enough credit. He's actually, he's honestly pretty darn good at fly fishing. But, but, um. Yeah, he uh, he turns everything into a competition. He always wants to outfish me. It's a good day when he catches more fish than me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I guess that's just because we're brothers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how it always goes. Yeah. It doesn't change when you get married. I got another. Competitions just become (laughs) just bells. I got (laughs) another. You listened to the podcast with Odom, right? I did. Okay. Yes. This one, someone asked, Gabe versus Odom, carp fish off on the quad, who would win? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> well, I don't know. I actually haven't really fished with Odom. Mm-hmm. We've kind of tried to fish a few times. It hasn't really worked out. But, um, but I mean, shoot, Odom would win. <laughs> I feel like he, he knows so much about him. I really, honestly, I would honestly consider myself a beginner beginner for sure when it comes to carp fishing like i kind of did it a little bit and then i really got into it during the um when the coronavirus started Mm. i was just kind of like on the water like so much and that's when i really really started finding Mm -hmm. like what was near the house so you haven't been carp fishing that much for that for that long then since covid i mean we're almost at a year now so yeah maybe carp fishing for a year Still, though, I mean, it's pretty impressive how much you've learned in a year. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, with, like, how much time throughout the summer and this fall, last spring, too, uh, with how much time we spent on the water, it's, I mean, you're going to learn something, you know. It doesn't hurt when you have carp days pretty much all year long. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, except for today and the next few days. (laughs) I know it. 
We have like a lot of days off. We have a four day weekend. It's just bad weather. So. Yeah. <laughs> so tying flies, it is. Yeah. That's why fly tying was invented. Yeah. Right? Exactly. You know, for those to do. for those bad weather days, those guys up in Vermont who are snowed in for like eight months of the year, yeah. Yeah. And they can't go fishing. They needed something to do. So, uh, <laughs> um, and what is your recommended leader length and size tippet? for carp um well honestly I, t- I tie my own leader so it really it's an arm length or my arm span and then like a half of my arm span so probably like nine feet um okay so yeah and then you tie your it, own okay so what do you what pound is you using or what what's what your leader for i use it's um 35 or 40 okay 25 and then and then tip it is like I use um umqua 1x okay yeah 1x yeah 1x 0x and then sometimes I'll use a 3x okay like for like the finicky fish yeah yeah so I'll jump like I'll skip 2x and jump all the way down to 3x when I'm fishing like um for cruising fish or suspending fish yeah yeah so but anything like 10, 10 plus pounds, and then 3X is usually about 8 pounds. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, do you use fluorocarbon or nylon? I do. I use fluorocarbon. Yeah. Fluorocarbon. fluorocarbon. And why yeah. do you like fluorocarbon? I mean, we've talked I about mean, it before on the podcast, so yeah. I want to get your your thoughts I mean, on why you'd it's, do that. You know, it's like fluorocarbon is supposedly in completely invisible in the water mm-hmm. but i don't really think that's too important carp can't really see very well like up close um but fluorocarbon it sinks better and it's more abrasion mm-hmm. resistant yeah for and sure that's really why i like it because um you know carp will break you off so many times if they get in a log jam and sometimes having you know just that a little, little bit, bit of an advantage is just always nice a yeah. little more confidence too right yeah, that one percent that one percent confidence it's like I always tie a loop knot. If I tied a clinch knot, I would have, like, so much less confidence. Does really? it make a big difference? Not really, but yeah. I mean, it's a confidence thing. Mm. What about size of fly? Yeah, really, um, like, hook sizes, um, I don't think I have ever used anything bigger than, like, a six, four. Four is the biggest I've used. Okay. Um, but I usually keep it around, like, yeah, eight and six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So usually anything, you know, about an inch long. Okay. You know, well, like including the full, not not the hook uh, length, but just like the full bo- body of the fly. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. Around yeah. that size. Yeah. And smaller. Just so. around an inch. Yeah, inch and smaller. Yeah. And how do you tie your leader sections together on your, um, on your leaders? Usually uh, just blood knots. Blood knots. And okay. then okay. when I'm on the river to tie a tippet on, I use... um. Like a triple surgeon's, because yeah. I can yeah. just tie that one super fast. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't take four hands to tie a triple <laughs> yeah, surgeon. Exactly. No. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's great. Um, and our last question is: uh, best fly fishing spots for crystal clear largies in Texas. Um, clearest water I've ever seen is the Frio. I was gonna say clearest water is Frio. Although I have personally never had a good day on the Frio. Uh, I fished it one time. It was crystal clear water, but I didn't have any yeah. luck. I caught the biggest river panfish I've ever caught on the Frio. It was like that big. 
A good size oh, yeah. little panfish for the, for those of you guys on the listening forum. Uh, it's probably like like eight to ten inches long. Football yeah. size. Look uh, at that. Yeah, like a football. Yeah, <laughs> like a like a flat football. Yeah. But yeah, on the Frio. That's the only thing I caught that day. But, yeah, you know, yeah. the Guadalupe and the Lano, they look really blue, but they're not as clear as yeah. you would think. No, Frio, you can get in a spot that's ten feet deep, and, and you it think looks it's like one. two feet. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. The South Lano can be pretty clear certain yeah. times of the year. Yeah, yeah. I feel like. If you can find access on the Blanco, the Blanco is pretty sweet. It can be really clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on like those more like narrow spots yeah. and stuff. Yeah. The best spot, like if you want, the crystal clear, crystal clear part can be tough, but I think general consensus in the hill country, best shot at like big fish is the Colorado River. And that is probably the most dirty river. Yeah. Out of all of them. And you usually need a raft or a boat. It's a hard river to wade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You want to cover water and uh, yeah, big bass and crystal clear water just kind of they don't really go together sometimes. Around here, it seems like yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, but that being said, most rivers, I feel like you can sight cast some fish. Yeah, you know. Yeah, at least in the whole country, you can see not every spot, but a lot of them. And crystal clear water is hard to fish for bass too. That's a yeah. if they're there, yeah, they probably sure. saw you. You know, park your car. Walk yeah. to the river, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. tie your fly on, and yeah. you know, saw that whole process. So they're probably not interested in whatever, whatever you're gonna throw. Yeah, Ian, do I've never fished Brushy Creek? Is that pretty clear? Yeah, up north, or yeah. I say up north, it's north of <laughs> you guys, but I'm in South Austin. Um, Brushy Creek is really good. Yeah, it's and pretty clear. Um, I haven't fished it a ton, full disclosure, because I live way far south. But, mm-hmm. um, man, I think the longer that I'm in this, it's kind of like the Frio. Like, you can – it has a lot of panfish and it has a lot of bass. And mm-hmm. uh, it's really accessible. It's very popular if you live in the, uh, the Round Rock area or uh, shout out to Living Waters, which is an awesome fly shop. Um, I respect those guys so much. Um but they're they are like they know a lot about Brushy Creek, but mm-hmm. Brushy Creek's good. Um, I'll fish uh, Barton Creek, part of it in in Austin. That's pretty good. That's a lot of bass and panfish. It's kind of like a lot of hill country, smaller yeah. streams and rivers. Where the San Gabriel's pretty clear. Is it the Gabe is good? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. It's San really Gabriel's good. I used to fish it a lot when I was up in Austin. It's crystal clear. Up near Fredericksburg, one, are there any any like clear rivers or or streams in Fredericksburg? Yeah, near Fredericksburg. I mean, we don't have the hot spot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the Pedernales River runs like right through Fredericksburg, right. and that tends to be like, I wouldn't say like. It, the Pedernales River like varies so much. Like yeah. there's crossings where it's just like really clear and it's awesome, and then there's other crossings where it's like mud. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, if you can find, there's spots on the Pedernales that are nice like that, and then um, yeah, clear water. Um, a lot the creeks. There's some yeah. creeks and stuff, but not any bigger yeah. bigger streams that are really like that. I don't know. Clearwater's fun, but I don't necessarily need 
clear yeah. water. Down. No, I don't have to fish or have a good time. No, yeah. my, my favorite Lano's uh, rivers are the Lano and the Guad, and they're not, they're blue and beautiful, right. but the clarity. I mean, you can see a, a few, maybe a yeah, foot or two, but a couple feet. Yeah, but, but you're, not, like, you're not seeing the, the five foot, six yeah. foot edges yeah. and stuff. I actually like really like fishing murky water for bass because I can get away throwing like. Like for me, for fishing for bass, when I do it, it's like I love the um, the aggression from the bass. Yeah. So I like fishing stuff in like murky crazy. water that push a lot of water yeah. and they're bright and you know, just like that's, funky, that's fun. like crazy yeah. color yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh exactly. yeah. Like a bright pink brunch money is like my yeah. go-to <laughs> for, yeah. for bass fishing. Where in clear water, it's it's cool because you can see them, which I, I also love. But right. you know, you're having to fish like maybe they're slower, like supernatural colors yeah. and all that. Yeah, the flies are a little less exciting. Yeah. Fishing. Did but. you guys? I have a question. Did you guys start fly fishing for bass or start fly fishing for trout? Um, I started fly fishing for bass. Yeah. Same. First time I fly fished was for trout in the Smokies, but then being in Texas in the summer, your only real option is, uh, is yeah, bass. I would agree with Zach's. You know, my first time fly fishing was for trout, and then when I did that, I was like, I love doing this, so right. I brought it back home and fished for what was available here. So that's a good question, though, Ian. Um, I think. That is all of our questions. So let me move over. Gabe, did you? Um, oh, no, ahead. no, you're good. You can while you're getting that out. Um, do you use a raft or a boat, or you have a kayak? I have a kayak. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have kayaks, and then we wait a lot. Yeah. What's your take on kayak fishing or fly fishing from a kayak? Um, it. I get like. If you want to see me like super mad, like, <laughs> yes. watch me fly fish off a kayak. Yep, yeah, that's that's the general like, consensus. Oh my gosh, <laughs> especially for carp. It's, but I mean, it it it. I feel like kayaks. We've like discovered so much more spots yeah. and areas mm-hmm. that we can wade to. They get you two spots, yeah. But the actual fishing is better to yeah. hop out, and, and you can so and you can see so much. And it's honestly, it's fun just being out there on a kayak paddle. Yeah. But then you pick up the fly like. I'm paddling down, standing up, looking for a carp or something, and I see him, and then I set my paddle down, pick up my rod, and that fish is gone. Yeah. It seems like the wind always picks up as soon as I have mm-hmm. my rod in my hand yeah. or something like that. The second you get set, then your kayak yeah. starts, like, turning backwards. Yeah, exactly. You know, what's going on. All right, guys. We got a fan favorite wood tip pickle chip email. Very nice. Howdy, fellas. Hope you all are doing well. You boys know what I'm up to this morning. Got me some coffee. Sipping and sitting here with my pump jacks. It's quite a pretty morning here in the south. I mean, no fooling. Pretty nice morning, all right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, no fooling. These pump jacks make the morning all right. Boys, I got to tell you, that was the most Texas radio podcast y'all ever had. I mean, okay, it was just a good one, all right. I mean, old Woodtip may have got a little dust in his eyes on that one. Um, You know what I'm saying? I appreciate all the kind words y'all said about Texas and that Steve Ramirez fella sounds like one of them good old boys. Okay, now here's the deal. I'll get you boys a little goodie bag or whatever if you come up down here to get after these pig groceries. I don't know why you'd ever get a bag of Funyuns when there's about a dozen different flavors of Bugles to get a hold of. All I know is whatever comes from Woodtip sure comes from Texaco. <laughs> you boys keep up the good work. And I'll get back to listening to the sweet, heartening song of these here pump jacks. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, Gabe, what's your take on uh, Woodtip? Have you you've listened to a couple podcasts? You probably heard Woodtip a couple times. Yeah, I think he's. It's it's so funny. I, I get a, I get a kick out of it. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks, Woodtip, and uh, Woodtip's the only one sending us emails. Uh, the offer is open. If anybody wants to send us an email, we we will read it. Emails, uh, creatures, creatures. We got some creature recommendations. Uh, we got some neat things in nature recommendations. So people have been sending stuff stuff in. Thank you guys. Um, awesome. Have you guys been doing any fishing in the last week, Ian? You know, man, I am going on. You know, I didn't. Um, what? Yeah, I, I didn't this have was an like excuse. Your fishing week. This was like I've had Ian and Nature Week. Yeah. I've had no excuse. Um, I've been working on the house, man, but I think I'm going to go on Friday. Does anyone, you know, so. We can't go on Friday, Ian. It's co- you know what? You I did go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you guys want to hear something funny? I, I assume it's going to be the same in San Antonio, but up here in Austin, uh, my younger brother, who's a big snowboarder, like, I mean big, like he's he's he loves it. He sent me a picture, and he said, of the weather report, and he said it could snow two to three inches in Austin. I said, no way. And he said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, I've got the board ready. And I said, go get them. Because in our neighborhood, he actually lives in the same neighborhood as me. There's a lot of hills because hill country. And so, and then like two hours later, he sends me a Facebook market place link for some skis. And he goes, check these out. These are discounted. Because I don't snowboard. I just ski. And he goes, and they're your size, too. well that's like uh up in lubbock whenever we get those big floods in school oh yeah people would pull out their canoes and like just like paddle down down the street or get like a wakeboard or a tube and they pull behind a truck yeah yeah there's no drainage in lubbock there's no it's just flat it just sits there's one hill right next to the rec center and then that was kind of it but can you guys uh, hear me okay sorry about that yeah Yeah, exactly yeah, when I was at Texas Tech, man, we used to uh, – it rained the first year, and people would build boats and stuff, and it was pretty funny. Like, they had a student contest of, like, build a boat that costs less than, like, $12, and it was, like, recycled cardboard and duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You know what I just thought about is how wrong our Super Bowl predictions were. I don't want to talk about it. You don't want to talk about I it? I mean, we can. I'm Cliff not. <laughs> is the only one that was right, and he's not even here. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. It was, you know, it hurt. Gabe, do you watch football at all? Not really. My yeah. brother does, like, a lot. <laughs> Did yeah. you watch the Super yeah. Bowl? Um, A little bit of it, but not much. Yeah, yeah. there wasn't much to watch, yeah. honestly. No. But, you know. Was, yeah, we were, was, we, we picked was. for the Chiefs. Maybe we have a little Mahomes bias because we went to Tech, but yeah. um, they got. They got beat down pretty they bad. They got beat down. And what's uh, funny is our podcast came out after we made those predictions. Oh, yeah. So everyone that got to listen to the podcast was like <laughs> they probably so listening and they were like, what are these guys talking about? Yeah. yeah. But And I didn't even make any food. No, I didn't either. No. No. There's just nothing to it this year. No. Nope. It's just crazy. Um, all right, guys. Well, I think that's... Uh, is there something else we can early predict that's happening this weekend? It's going to snow in San Antonio. I'll predict that. I hope it does. Yeah. You hope it doesn't? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Your stuff. Yeah, yeah it makes your life a lot more Yeah, bad. no, I'd, it would not be it fun if it snowed for me. for me. I'm working from home on Monday, so. Um, 
But yeah, are you are y'all wanting to make bets on the snow or no? no. <laughs> I'm gonna say it probably will. Okay. How, how and I? then if it doesn't, I'm gonna be super happy. So I'm in a win-win scenario. Right. Gabe, okay, how many inches <laughs> you think? Um, in San Antonio yeah. or back where I live? Oh, uh, in San Antonio. Yeah, San Antonio, San and then you can throw in Fredericksburg prediction too if you want. I'm gonna guess like barely over an inch. <laughs> barely an inch. Yeah, it's probably the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's Texas. So yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> oh, I want to go with uh, I'm going with half an inch. Half an inch of snow. Yep. Yeah. Ooh. And when it's 80 degrees on Monday, we can look back and be like, "Hey, we were wrong." Well, this podcast is going to come out after the day it's supposed to snow, exactly, so our right. listeners Let's just can keep this going. Listen to be like, "What do these guys know about anything?" Honeyhole's wrong predictions <laughs> week to week. <laughs> Um, cool. I think, uh, that's all of our questions and everything. Let's yeah. move into our articles. Um, who wants to go first? Oh, also guys, we do have a new on patrol sticker coming out pretty soon. Oh yeah. Zach mocked up an on patrol sticker. It looks pretty good. You want to show it to Gabe and you can get his yeah. reaction. I still, need to ch- I still need to change the, the lettering, but we're doing segment stickers as well. See? There you go. Oh, shoot. That's way cool. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, on patrol. So Yeah. it's a, it's. A, I'm pretty excited that, that that's my sticker for my segment. Well, since, speaking of on patrol, let's do Start on with patrol. That. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Okay. I have two articles today. Because um, they were short, I thought I'd get two. Um, these are more poaching um, articles. Texas game wardens doing good work, keeping every keeping our environment the way it should be. Um, social media leads Texas game wardens to a poacher. Um, in this article, basically what happened, and this was published on I think it's Go Hunt, Go Hunt's website. Okay. Um, basically what happened is there was a well-known buck in the area, um, based on photos and, and you know, like a, a local area knew about this buck and, um, a teenager had, um, sh- shot this buck and put, bragged about it on social media. Um, Upon further investigation, they, they thought there was some suspicious stuff going on. So upon further investigation, game wardens went out there. They found where the buck had been shot. They investigated. They found the body dumped near uh, a creek in a creek because they, the kid took its uh, antlers. So he just took the antlers or, like, just the head? He just took the head and okay. then did um, – those are the antlers right there. Okay. You can see. He just wanted the yeah. antlers. He just um, dumped the body. So they found yeah. the body – the thing is that this kid had uh, claimed he shot it with a bow during bow season. Okay. So it was in season. Upon further investigation, though, you know, whenever they looked at the deer, they had some professionals look at it, and it had originally been shot by a rifle, and then the kid shot it with a bow after it had been shot with a rifle. What? Yes. That's crazy. So he shot it with a rifle, and then to cover his tracks, because it was bow season, then he, shot, with he bow. shot it with a bow, and he also had shot it from a county road, 
from a vehicle. Oh, really? So he's so like double whammy. Basically, yeah. Uh, he didn't shoot it. He shot it with a gun out of, you know, during bow season. He, um, and uh, he shot it from like a, a county road. How'd they find out he shot from the county road? Um, he later admitted to where he shot it, where he shot and it, how it and how it. it happened. Yeah. Once they confront him about it, like, look, we know you shot this with a gun. He basically admitted to it. How old and, was he? Um, just a teenager. Okay. Um, how would shooting it with a boat cover up his tracks? Yeah, that's like if he just thought like he dumped the body, maybe thinking like, oh, they'll never find this. And I'm not out here trying to give like poaching tips, <laughs> but yeah. maybe you should keep your deer and like process it out and everything. Yeah, because yeah, at that point, it's like there's no evidence. Oh, yeah, yeah. Probably, uh, <laughs> we're probably just like, how would we do this the right way? It's just like. I'm not trying to give poaching tips, but right. yeah. What was it Cliff yeah. talked about? Like, because <laughs> yeah. you know, like, somebody shoot somebody, they took the bow and like they put the arrow through the hole to make it look like a bow yeah. wound rather than like yeah. a, a rifle. Yeah. Was this was this like in his neighborhood? Could you or um, it didn't get into the specifics. All it said is that. Um, Uh, a local known hayfield is where the deer frequented. Gotcha. Oh. And I guess if if it wasn't for the fact that it was like a super well known deer, it would have been a little bit. Yeah, and different. he posted on social media. Yeah, and it was out of season, and he yeah. did, he posted. So probably it what happened is he posted it on social media, said he shot it with a bow, but then some people that know him is like, well, he doesn't have a bow. Yeah. Why would he have done that? And someone probably reported him, and then they investigated. That's how I foresee that makes sense. The yeah. order of well, events he, happening. Was he cited? Because I don't know if Gabe had asked this question, but depending on where you live, you know, you can't. You can shoot like out, like kind of west of toward me. If you have a few acres, you can shoot a bow, but you can't shoot a rifle. So maybe that's why that there was that question. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Like I think in I think in Hayes County and don't quote me on this, if you have 10 acres, you can shoot a bow, but you can't shoot a rifle, something yeah. like that. Maybe. Probably yeah. Something like that. Um they're saying the charges are illegally used a rifle to kill the deer. Is uh what the article says. So wait, I don't really hunt much. So can you shoot a deer and just like Completely not use the body and just take the head. Legally, you can. Really, yeah. that sounds like morally well, in, wrong. In some, <laughs> yeah. in some places, uh, you have to. Yeah, some states, Texas. Yeah, you yeah, can. But states. like Colorado has like a limit. Like if you kill an animal, you have to take so much of it with you. Yeah. Um, if you do drawn hunt in Texas on public lands, even if you shoot a pig or something, you have to take. You it. have to take it. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're all for like. I mean, I, I would get it if we, it was like. An invasive species or something like right. hogs and stuff, but you know, in deer season, I would think they'd want to use it. Well, the meat's yeah, great. Venison is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So I don't. That's just why it just doesn't make. Killed it for the rack, basically. And, yeah, really. Um, I I want. There's a guy I want to get on uh, the podcast. His name's Walter. He's mm-hmm. a l- older guy from uh, the local fly fishing club. Um, and he was telling me a story and what we just talked about made me think about it in Alaska. If you're going to, uh, take an animal, you have to take the whole animal, no Uh parts left behind. And he did a week long float in Alaska down a river. 
with his with rafts. There was uh, a hunting trip. They had all kinds of tags, like bear tags, you know, moose tags. Um, they were just basically like floating down the river looking for good hunting spots, hunting. And like on the second day, he saw two trophy bull moose fighting up on a hill. And he went up and he took one of them. And, you know, they spent, I mean, a moose to process out. They spent the, the rest of the day yeah. processing this For moose sure. out, doing everything. He loads it up in the raft. And, like, two days later, they're going down a rapid. And um, uh, the back of the raft gets punctured on a rock and deflates. And the moose was in the back. And oh, it had all the meat got wet. Oh, it basically man. ruined everything. Yeah. And he said that he had to, he couldn't keep any of the animal. Because if he wasn't going to keep the meat, he couldn't keep any of the animal. So they unloaded the moose and he left it on the shoreline. And he said he cried as they oh, floated yeah. away. Because he couldn't yeah. keep the antlers or anything. Yeah. Even though it was totally accidental and in, in everything. But still. The, the deal is that he couldn't, because he wasn't taking the meat, because it was ruined, he couldn't have any other parts yeah. of so the So in moose. Alaska, it's like. All or nothing, yeah. basically. And there's some states where it's like you have to even take like the heart, liver, yeah. tongue, and they, every state has yeah. its own rules. But yeah. But uh, I want to get Walter on because he's done some cool. He's an older guy. He's That'd done cool. some like cool trips like that. He's got some cool stories, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Um, my second article is Texas and Colorado game wardens work together to convict to convict Nacogdoches County man in major poaching case. Okay. What do you get? So basically this guy um, in, who lives in Texas um, would go up to Colorado. Um, this is a huge case that they worked for 11 years. Mm-hmm. Um, the current fine is $53,000, um, which is really high for a poaching case. Uh, yeah, because sometimes I'm like, that's like nothing. Yeah, no, usually like, Poaching and stuff like that, they they don't get that big of a fine. Um, the investigation began in Evergreen, Colorado, where trophy size elk wander into the residential backyards. And um, most of the evidence was in Colorado. However, uh, the interview evidence was all pretty much gathered in Texas. So they're trying to convict this guy in Colorado. But he lives in Nacogdoches but he County. he lives in Nacogdoches County. Which is SFA East Texas. Yeah. And uh, so they they interviewed, like, people that, that he knew, tried to get pictures, uh, interviewed friends, family, and... Um, they built a case? They built a case. And basically what he was doing is uh, he was... Um, he had taken animals over the span of like 2012 to 2018 in Colorado. Um, and he would apparently stash uh, a bow in Colorado, like out in the wilderness, like like near residential areas where like these huge elk would roam. And then he would stash a bow and ride his mountain bike out to get his bow do the hunt, and so he was, like, secretly Hunting. taking these animals. And they knew about it from the beginning, but they could never catch the guy because they'd find, like, animal parts, parts and stuff, stuff yeah. like that out, mm. like, near these neighborhoods, but they could never figure out who was doing it or why. Um, the big break was in 2018 when an observant landowner tipped off authority. So that started the investigation um, in, in 2018 to actually who was 
doing everything. And then they couldn't basically fit the pieces together, and that's when the Texas game wardens helped the Colorado authorities by so, collecting evidence in Texas. So then he'd be tried in Colorado then. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, as I would say. Yeah. And it seems like he's up there once a year, may have family up there. There's a good reason for him to be up there right. as much as he is. Um, and So they caught the guy? Yep. Okay. Has it been through court and everything yet or no? Um, currently on a two-year probation and restricted from hunting activities during that time, plus the large fine. Okay. Um, and um, that's what's going on right now. And they're looking at, like, lifetime national hunting and fishing bans. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. Those are my articles. I cool. Two cool stories. Don't. Don't poach. Don't poach and post yeah. on social media. First right. of all, don't poach. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you know, then, don't brag about your crimes on social media, second no matter of, what it is. Second of all, Colorado game wardens and Texas game wardens are apparently good friends. Right. So be careful. Right. All right. Ian, you ready to go? Neat things in nature? I am ready to go, man. Wait, wait, wait. You wait. remember our system? We got to push the button. And then we'll let you know when you can talk. So I'll you introduce in. you. Okay. Right. And now to Ian with Neat Things in Nature. Okay. You're good to go. Okay. <laughs> this comp, This was published. This is from um, newsforsanantonio.com. Uh, the number four. So news for San Antonio. Oh, that's a little uh, funny. It's on Channel 4, too. Report. Yeah. Um, and this was published on February 6th of 2021, so four days ago. Reports of a tiger on the loose in southwest San Antonio. Yeah, I was hoping you'd talk about the tiger in San Antonio. Oh, man. So they um, – San Antonio, and this is a direct quote. Officers from South Patrol were quite surprised Friday to get a call from Animal Care Services asking for help with a tiger on the loose. Basically, someone had called uh, the police, and they said they saw uh, – this lady said she saw a tiger um, <laughs> near Pearsall Park on the south side of San Antonio. <laughs> okay, one, uh, one imagine imagine calling and saying, hi um, – I don't know if she called 911 or maybe the local number. Actually, it does say 311. So she called police, you know, the desk. The non-emergency yeah. line. Yeah, the non-emergency called yeah. the desk and said, hey, I just saw a tiger. Like, imagine <laughs> getting that call and being like, okay. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> There's a tiger in South San Antonio. Um, it said officers responded, but the tiger had was gone. Um, so they partnered up with Animal Care Services to kind of figure out, like, where it was. Um, they contacted the homeowner. So I, I guess it was on residential property. Who, and this is a direct quote who told them that he had borrowed the tiger from a friend so he could show his family. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, how do you borrow a tiger? I, I mean, I guess you just say like, all right, like Hobbs get inside of the, uh, <laughs> get, you know, get inside this crate and you like put it in your car and bring it over. Deep, I don't know. Deep Calvin and Hobbs reference. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> deep Calvin and Hobbs. I was trying to think of a tiger name and Hobbs. Was Hobbs, is wor- Hobbs works. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's Tony, yeah. but I like Hobbs a little bit better. Oh, Tony, the tiger man. That's so much better. Oh, I love, oh, that, I love frosted flakes. That's so much better. <laughs> 
It says the tiger jumped his backyard fence, this is a direct quote, and went into the neighbor's yard. He told officers that he was able to catch the tiger and take it back to his friend, who has several tigers. (laughs) Is Um, his friend the Tiger King or what? Right. I don't know. Does he live in San Antonio? The friend? It doesn't give a lot more detail than that, man. That's kind of the end of the article. So do you guys know, are tigers legal to keep? I think they are yeah, you in can the keep, state of Texas. You can keep tigers. Yeah. Can you? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I'm sure there's some paperwork you have to file at some point. Yeah. I'm sure it's not an easy deal. Or maybe it's like, hey, if you have a cub, then nobody really knows. I don't know. I knew this there's kid in high school ar- who had like wild, like not yeah. tigers, but like small wild cats. I'm sure that. You know, I'm I'm sure that they're kind of doing some due diligence and following up on that. But how wild is that, man? Right. That like, you know, and like I don't know. A tiger's the I mean, in San Antonio. Yeah, like I can't imagine going for a walk in my neighborhood and being like, I I so I kind of live. I don't live in a urban neighborhood, but I don't live in like a really rural neighborhood, and it's not the suburban. I kind of live on a neighborhood that's kind of on the outskirts of town. So like, uh, we have coyotes. And foxes and uh, possums and skunks and all kinds of critters. Yeah. My, um, like I was sitting on my uh, front porch um, three nights ago and a big uh, fox um, uh, ran across my driveway. That's pretty neat. And and so, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty neat. Thanks. It's kind of cool, though. I like living in a neighborhood and we have some green areas and stuff like wooded woods and forests and things. And um but I can't imagine, man, just sitting and, you know, just relaxing or drinking a cup of coffee and just seeing a tiger walk. You know, you know, yeah. you know though, like tigers are, are scary, but I feel like I would not want to see a chimpanzee. Like you hear the chimps, they get loose and then it's just like. They're pretty aggressive, right? right? Yeah. Like, it's always t- like injuries, like seven people got injured right. when a chimp got loose. It's like people are like, oh, the tiger lion's free and everyone's like, nobody gets hurt though. You know, yeah. the tiger usually gets hurt. But when it's a chimpanzee, it's like, it's just taking down everybody. Yeah, it's King Kong. Yeah. Well, it's people, like, people are probably like super cautious. I mean, you see a lion walking down the road. Right. You're going to leave it. Let it be like. Lock the doors. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you see, like, a scary person. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. I think I'd be more freaked out by a bear, and all the people up in the north have, like, bear on their back porch and bears swimming in their pools and <laughs> breaking into the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Opening car doors and all that kind of stuff. Right. One of my, this is a cool story. One of my good buddies who I used to, well, we're buddies now, but we used to be co workers, is from India. He's from outside of Mumbai. And I found out that he was in wildlife photography. And I was like, so are you taking pictures of tigers? And he was like, yes. And he showed me some and they were super awesome. And then he said they went on a few trips and they would go into Indian uh, wildlife parks. And he said there was basically rotundas where you could camp like little cabins. And he said they woke up in the middle of the night and they turned tigers hunting. (laughs) And I was like, for real? And he was like, yes. And I was like, what did that sound like? And he was like, it sounded bad. (laughs) It's how he described it. And I said, that's so, we'll have to have on the podcast. But I was like, that is such an awesome story that we don't have. You're you're hunting here though. And like, you hear all the coyotes yipping around you in the morning. Exactly. You're like, I'm like, I'm going to die by a bunch of coyotes. I can imagine those tigers around me. Yeah. He said it was kind of scary. And, I said, were you guys worried? And he said it was basically like a cabin, you know, like a cement floor, bare bones cabin, no insulation. Um, And they cracked open the windows and they could hear them. And 
I mean, yeah. I exactly, Zach. I can't imagine. No, so. it'd be terrifying. All right, Zach. On to Creature Watch. Are you guys ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. What do we got this week? This week, I'm bringing you the story of the Abominable Snowman, also known as the Yeti or the Mate. Hmm. And, Landon, you like this, uh, also known as the Man Bear. The Man Bear. The Man Bear. So, we're two-thirds of the way there. Almost uh, Man Bear Pig. <laughs> almost. <laughs> uh, okay. So... Uh, right, the stories have been kind of told from like the early 19th century. Um, actually, the abominable snowman, though, even though it's from the region of like uh, Tibet and um, like the Himalayas and stuff like that, it's really popular in Western culture. Mm. But like Western culture popularized it, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. I mean, we have a whole cooler brand named after it, right? So, yeah, <laughs> so uh. <laughs> But, you know, scientists believe that the Yeti can really be whatever your heart wants it to be. So, uh, you know, but most people believe that it is this large ape-like creature that's roughly seven to eight feet tall with white fur. And the fur color can change, right, depending on the year. Mm-hmm. But generally, it has this white fur. My perfect Yeti in my mind is the one from Monsters, Inc. Oh, yeah, the friendly one? The friendly one, yeah. Yeah, yeah when I picture Yeti, I picture Monsters, Inc. Yeti. Yeah, I do too. Do you picture a Yeti, Gabe? Like from Monsters Inc. Yeah. Well, or what, 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 is your, what, what do you picture when you think of a Yeti? What does your Yeti look like? Mm, I'm trying to think of that that movie. Is it like, man, it's like a cartoon. Rudolph and everything. Oh Christmas yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Rudolph, I think, right? Yeah. Ren and he's Rainer. like the injured, abominable snowman or something up in the cave. <laughs> the claymation one. Like yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, nice. th- I think I see that one too. Ian, what about you? What does your Yeti look like? This episode is brought to you by the NHL on TNT. When it comes to hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are built different. Experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it. From now through June on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, dragouts, pressure, and agony as teams go head-to-head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through the pain is the name of the game. With so much edge-of-your-seat action, you'll refuse to shave or change your jersey. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs now on TNT and CBS. How do you explain the unexplainable? That warmth that fills you up from the inside out? Does it come from the air, the sea, the sun, the people? Or is it something that can't be put into words? Because Aruba is more than a beautiful island. It's a feeling that brings out a happier, sunnier you. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your next visit at aruba.com. Man, that's a great question because I just picture the cooler brand as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my Yeti is about too. 110 quarts. And, <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> um, Honestly, okay, have you guys seen, uh, I, I assume you guys have seen this, but re- um, the second Star Wars movie. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Reven- Go on. Yeah. 
Empire Strikes, Strikes Back. Or, yeah. I almost said Revenge Empire's, of the Empire. Yeah, Empire, Empire Strikes, Strikes Back. Back. When they're on Hoth. And yeah. um, that's a good uh, one too. Do you remember he knocks Luke out and then hangs uh, him upside Luke, down? Yeah, he hangs him upside down because he like Luke's is stuck upside down and then he comes to conscious and then he has to use the force to get his lightsaber. <laughs> that's what I imagined with the Yeti. <laughs> I think it looks like a Yeti. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I definitely see that. Uh, so Yeti comes from the Tibetan word that means rocky bear. So, right, makes sense. Uh, Siberia and Tibet have the earliest names for it. Uh, people think it may be some sort of, like, final Neanderthal that's been descended over years and years and years that's still out there um, who lives in the Himalayas that just kind of wears um, these warm white, fur coats essentially and then people see this neanderthal wandering around uh it can occasionally uh and you know a little gruesome it likes to eat people every now and then um just like its cousin the almistice so have you heard of that mm -mm. no maybe next week some say right it has a tail but most people say it's more like ape like that seven to eight foot range um i said usually white uh the biggest thing, though, is that people say it's related to the Bigfoot, right? Mm -hmm. And that's because in the snow, tracks are everywhere, right? So the most common thing that people find in the Himalayas are these large feet that look like bare human feet. They don't look like any other type of creature that anybody's ever seen. They're all just these bare feet in the snow. Mm -hmm. They're about 32 inches long, about 18 inches wide. So considerably bigger than oh, a normal yeah. person. Uh, when do you guys think the abominable snowman was first coined? Um, it's it's got to be a it's a Western thing. Yeah. So when? So post fourteen ninety two. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. gonna take a uh, shot and say when when did Rudolph come out? Oh, I don't know. We did Santa. We didn't do Rudolph though. He didn't make uh, the, the cut. movie. The the oh, uh, like the sixties. Yeah, no, 60s. maybe not sixties. Yeah, maybe the sixties. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with the forties. Okay. Good. Like, so wait, so like the legend of so not not the first sighting, the, but when do you think the word abominable oh, was okay. attributed yeah, to? Yeah, yeah. Okay, never mind. Um, I'm gonna say early fifties. Okay. Mm -hmm. Ian, what about you? What do you think? <laughs> The, when the legend of the abominable snowman? Sure. Man, I'm going to go like 900, like, like AD. Like, just like 900. Yeah, 900 <laughs> AD. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, it was 1921. Uh, so. Oh, okay. So I'm way off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit, by a thousand years. Uh, so uh, it was when Charles Howard, uh, he led this thing called the British Mount Everest uh, Reconnaissance Expedition mm -hmm. in the 20s. And uh, along this trip is when he actually found this huge footprint that he had no clue what it could be. He thought maybe it was attributed to like the like a like an injured wolf. But he said the gate was so far apart that there was no way it could be anything like hopping around that far. Where was his, like, expedition? Mount Everest. Everest. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. yeah. yeah. And yeah. he said he ran into the feet print, uh, the footprint around 20,000 feet was where it was. Um, some pre-Buddhist beliefs were they actually worshipped the glacier being 
um, as a god, and it was the, known as the god of the hunt. So they believe that maybe they worshipped it, but also used its blood in mystical sacrifice or ceremonies. So not sacrifices, but eventually, uh, the wild man was depicted as a huge ape who carries a large stone and clubs creatures and prey. And um, whenever you're on a mountain and you hear that like whooshing sound, uh, they think that's actually the sound of the Yeti. Hmm. Right? Uh, first sighting, though. What do you guys think it was? Ian's going to 900, huh? Uh, okay, you said 1923, right? No, what? that was for the abdominal. That was for the abdominal name. Yeah. When do you think the first sighting of the Yeti was? Oh, 900, or uh, 1,000. Outside of the pre-Buddhist beliefs. Okay, you're going 9,000? Uh, you're going the future? <laughs> no, man. I'm trying to think, like, when recorded history came up, because it really does depend where you are in the world. Right. Like, because some cultures, like, the Greeks and Romans had recorded history, whereas, like, you know, we didn't for a long time. Um, Just take a guess. I'm going to go 1780. Okay, that's not bad. What about you? Ooh. Oh, yeah, I'm dropping hints now, I guess. You know, he said not bad. I'm going to go... Fifteen forty. Okay. I bad. was bad. So I think. I'm gonna say seventeen seventeen twenty. Okay. I think we're gonna go seventeen eighty one for a second. <laughs> it is eighteen thirty two. So okay. another expedition was going across and they found a tall bipedal uh creature that was in Nepal, right? Um as I said, mainly people find their footprints all over the world. However, um, there's a couple of really inter- interesting things. They found a Yeti scalp somewhere in the, in the Himalayas and scientists just could not figure it out. They tested it. They dyed it. They did everything they could, but the way that the skin, I guess, came together was unlike any creature they'd ever known. So eventually the scientists just guessed it had to be some sort of shoulder blade from some sort of hooved animal, but they still couldn't figure out what it was. Um, That being said, in 1960, they found another piece of fur like that, but it was different. And it was so different in a way where they actually had to go back to the drawing board, say it wasn't some sort of hooved creature. And now they just say they don't know what it is, but it's nothing that they have ever seen before. What explains the footprints? Because you're you throughout, you know, all these expeditions and stuff. It seems like it's pretty undeniable that there's footprints, especially on those British Everest expeditions, you know. They're out there for research trying to figure out how to climb Everest. That was like a big push at that period of time is like we want to climb the tallest mountain in the world. Right. They're going out there. I don't foresee a group like that going finding these footprints and saying, oh, well, we just made like for them making it up for no reason. I think there it sounds like there's a lot of evidence for the footprint. footprints. Yeah. But what explains the footprints? They, that's the thing. This is one of the first ones like they don't really have an explanation that's solid. They okay. have some ideas. But they don't really know. Same thing with, like, the fur. They they have some ideas, but nobody's really sure about what it is. Mm. Uh, same thing. They also found a parasite that was in some boop that they have no clue. Like, it's an unknown parasite. They're like, this. we don't know where this came from. Mm. So there's a couple of things that really lead to that. Um, there's been many expeditions over the last few years to try to find the Yeti. Nothing has really been successful in 2011, Russian scientists said that there's probably a 95% chance that something is real, that there's some sort of creature we don't know about living in these mountains that uh, is undocumented. 
Uh, in 2011, a Russian patrol captured a large two-legged furry creature, but it turns out it was a hoax for like a marketing firm. <laughs> and, uh, wow. Yes. <laughs> the uh, the most recent sighting, you could say, was a footprint found in 2019 where they found a human footprint that was at 32 inches by 15 inches wide. Uh, it was near the base camp uh, of the Makalo base camp. I think it's somewhere near Everest. Uh, so, to wrap things up, uh, is it real? Is it a Langer monkey, which is a monkey known for the area? Is it a Tibetan blue bear? Or people say that maybe it's like a brown bear, polar bear baby. And kind of how when you have like a tiger, lion baby, it gets bigger than both of those things. That maybe if it's a brown bear, polar bear baby, it got bigger than either of those bears. Mm. So, I don't know. You guys have to be the judge. That was a great, great creature watch. This yeah, exactly. Yeti was interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of, I don't know. Crazy it's stuff. Real. Who knows? All, all right. right. That's all of our articles. We got Cliff out. We miss you, Cliff. Um, now we'll just move right into our interview with Gabe. So, how should we start this out? Um, two questions. Two questions. We ask every guest. All right. Um, how did you get into fly fishing? Um, well, so I guess I was about nine and I really started just getting into conventional fishing. And then my uncle, Uncle Shelby, he, um, he was like, Hey, have you ever heard of fly fishing? I had no idea what fly fishing was. And he brought me over to my, uh, his house and actually taught me how to tie flies. And I learned how to tie a woolly bugger Mm -hmm. that day and just tied a bunch of really ugly looking woolly buggers. (laughs) And then, um, and yeah, he, he uh, taught me how to cast a little bit, and I started, you know, practicing in my backyard with um, a regular, like, cane pole and a rope. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I bought, like, a $15 fly rod on Amazon. <laughs> so how was that super, rod? Oh, it was horrible. Yeah. Did it, did it I teach mean, you it cast, was though? like... I'm, was it detrimental? It was, yeah, it was yeah. pretty rough. Yeah. It hurts you. But it's, it, you went backwards, not yeah. forwards. I'm so, I'm like. We should, we should have a contest at Triple uh, H that's like cheapest rod, biggest fish. Yeah. yeah. I feel like this rod was like. That would be so like, fun. It was like a, it felt like it was like a nine weight, but it was like eight and a half feet long and. I, I can't even explain it. It was pretty, it wasn't good. But, uh, but yeah, I learned on that rod and ended up going out to a creek or something, catching some bass on one of my woolly buggers. And it was like, I was in love with it right off the bat. And um, I'm really glad I didn't quit because, like, I mean, you know, with that rod and really bad flies, you yeah. know, it was like, that was the hardest fly fishing, you know. And then right. it just got easier from there and more and mm-hmm. more. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, all thanks to Uncle Shelby, basically. Yeah. <laughs> he got me started on it, and then a bunch of bunch of casting in the backyard and on the road for the first year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Doing it. yeah. Yeah, I feel like everybody just goes out and just casts and sees, learns the basics when they're yeah. on the water and sees what they can do. But it's kind of like the, like the guitar trope, right, where it's like you learn to play on, like, the worst guitar you can find. That way, yeah. when you get like nice stuff, you appreciate it, and it sounds exactly. better. And yeah. I mean, I, I grew up, or um, I fell in love with fly fishing, doing it with that really bad rod in like really small, really tight spots yeah. at the creek by my house. 
And catching sunfish, which are super easy to catch on a fly rod. But, I mean, the casting was, like, really pretty pretty tough, especially with that rod. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, kind of learning from, you know, harder, harder um, or a higher skill level yeah. spot. Start off kind of hard yeah, and it makes everything it, yeah. just that and much then I smoother got and easier. a nicer rod and then found better, you know, people, like, the fly fishing community is, like, insanely open and like yeah. really welcoming to especially like younger people mm-hmm. and so yeah i had like so many people giving me tips and everything which is super nice and oh, sharing yeah. spots and so yeah i just got better and better mm-hmm. from there so yeah, yeah that's awesome that's how i started what is your most memorable fish that you've caught on the fly yeah um man feel like there's not one. I have, like, most memorable day or something. Well, um, like, the third carp I ever caught on a fly was, like, really – was my biggest carp I've ever caught, actually. Um, but I don't know how, how – I never – I didn't weigh it or anything. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I w- was on my kayak, and it was pulling me all over the river, and um, – and finally got it in. It took me forever. My dad was with me, and he was on the other kayak. And I had some pretty light-ish tippet on. Uh-huh. Probably like eight-pound test or something. And I was like, Dad, don't grab the line. Don't grab the line. <laughs> and he grabs the line, and I'm just like imagining what's about to happen. And what I imagined happened, it broke off. Oh, dang. But, but I was like, no. And I like fell back in my kayak and I glance over and my dad's just bear hugging this massive car. <laughs> so it broke off and then he just like He was able to get in, it after he it broke. and just like fell back on the kayak and we were just like freaking out. Oh, <laughs> that yeah. is awesome. That's, it was a good story. that's a great story. <laughs> it was way cool. But uh but I wanna say like the most memorable day because this is pretty cool. It was actually last Thanksgiving and um I went out with my buddy Asa who recently got into carp fly fishing and is like ridiculously good at it right now and anyway so i was out with him on thanksgiving day and the carp were having like their thanksgiving feast that morning so there were so (laughs) many carp out it was awesome and uh i ended up was like waiting around and there's this tree over in the falling over in the water and i could see like back sticking up out of the water and near around that tree I was like, oh, man, I got to get in there. So I ended up, like, getting up on the bank, and I actually, like, was trying to figure out how to get in this tree, and I just, like, fell into the water. (laughs) And then I climbed up in the tree, and I was probably, like, 15 feet up in that tree, and Uh I just started, like, bow and arrow casting and everything. And I hook one, and I'm, like, trying to figure out how to get it in, and it breaks off. And so I ended up just tying a fly to the next section of my leader, which is like 25-pound test, uh-huh. and that worked. And so I caught so many carp out of that tree, just fighting them and then bringing them up and then hand-lining up into the tree. Oh, you my God. Yeah, yeah. So tree. I was like 15 no. feet up, and I will just fight them and then like <laughs> pull my rod between my legs and then just pull them up and oh grab them. Oh, my gosh. And unhook them and throw them back. It's <laughs> like you need a pulley. Too. Yeah. Right. And I didn't take... In a single picture that yeah. day, and I think I caught like, like twelve carp that day. Oh, oh man. that is awesome! Yeah. awesome. yeah, I can't believe you handline carp into a tree, but I guess with twenty five yeah. pound test, it doesn't yeah. matter. You're just it like, doesn't okay, matter. I caught one um, that was like, probably weighed like five pounds, but it was only like 
18 inches long. <laughs> so it was, it was a, just, it was just, it like was a, just a football. Yeah. <laughs> Short as a little chunky yeah. fine. It was nuts. But yeah, that was my most memorable day. That's awesome. Probably. So, uh, what's your uh, your go to flies for carp? Yeah, so um, I have one right over here. Let's see this little fly. Um, I actually invented this one. Really ugly. I tie pretty ugly flies, but they catch fish. Uh, it's called the matador. Um, but it's basically like a, a little finesse crawfish fly. So it's got a lot of rabbit fur in it. I so love it's got rabbit. good good move. Me too. Me too. And then got some rubber legs. So I like those legs. And what yeah. kind of those little eyes on there? You uh, just, those, you just I tied just tied a knot in them. Oh. So yeah, it gives them a little bit. I'm like that's something I've been doing recently. I used to not do that, but uh, yeah, it gives them like a little bit more of kind of an action to. That's them. so smart. I've now I've never seen that yeah. done. Tell them not in your in your legs like that. Yeah. What yeah. uh, what do you call that one again? A matador. A matador. Hey. 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 Oh, a little Texas tag there. Yeah. <laughs> Long live the matadors. <laughs> and then, and then we got this one right here. It's another. I, I love crawfish flies yeah. for carp. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't have a name for this one, but um, it's just something I've been playing around with. And a cool little thing about this fly is I actually tie in some fishing line on the back here. And so it's like a little tripod. And it makes it stand up a little bit more. And doesn't oh, really do it. Nice. Um, but right now, but when it's in the water, it really like when helps it's like it a stand little up. bit more yeah. buoyant. Yeah. So I like this too. This is yeah. nice. A lot of carp flies, they'll um, wrap it way down the bend and to get to get it to kind of stand up. And with this one, you mm-hmm. don't really have to do that. You can use you know wider yeah. variety this isn't of like hooks. A, a standard carp hook. Yeah. What exactly. uh, what pound test are you using for the the little kickstand there? It's um twenty pound. Okay, yeah. so nothing super strong. Yeah. Nice. I got a fly name for you. All right, let's see. You hear can it. you could name it flies aren't real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. No, that's uh that's great. Thank you, thank you. So yeah, those are my um oh one more. I uh, use this one sometimes, but those are my top two. Um, and this is actually a great little trout fly. Um, it's just a little mop fly. Um. With some soft hackle in it, kind of looks like a little dragon, uh, yeah, dragonfly nymph. But oh, I, yeah. I, I fish that if I have, um, if I'm putting on the three X, that eight pound test oh. tippet, I'm usually using that fly. Is that marabou on there? It's hard to tell with the light. It's like, yeah, it's like chickaboo. Chickaboo, so it's, yeah. So it's basically marabou, but yeah. it's slightly stiffer. Yeah, you can wrap it easier. Um, but yeah, I, I really like that one for like cruising carp stuff. So this guy. Yeah. Is the crawfish orange like your go-to color? Yes. Or um, like the olive. I like this one in black too, mm-hmm. but I usually yeah. use orange and black. Um, so how did you start tying flies? Because you're now at the point where you're 16 and you have a fly tying business. <laughs> I'd also yeah. say like you tie some of the best flies I've seen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Thank you. Like Thank that you. kid I got from you last year was like top notch. It looks great. Thank you. I appreciate that. You should that. see Zach's flies. Yeah. They, <laughs> they catch fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's all that matters. Yeah. Really. really. Um, but yeah. So like I said, uncle Shelby yeah. got me ta- started on a, uh, woolly bugger. And, um, and yeah, I, I got a fly tying book or yeah. Fly tying book. And then I bought, uh, kit on Amazon 
And just the like funny the thing was, and, is, yeah. yeah. So I actually didn't. We have um, a little fly shop in Fredericksburg, Hill Country Fly Fisher Shop. It's owned by Martin Persh. Um, is that the one that's out of the guy's house? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and he's an awesome guy. I'm always too afraid to pull Abs- him there. Absolutely. <laughs> love. It's just like I, I, I have a lot of people who told me to go over there. I just never have stopped through. And oh man, you got to go over there. He's the nicest guy you'll ever meet, and his his shop is packed. Really? With stuff. Yeah. I think I so met awesome. him. I I think I met him one time at a Fredericksburg Fly Fishers meeting. Yeah. Because I've done a, pre- a couple presentations for them. Okay. And I think I met him there, and he told me to come by, and he gave me like a couple flies. He was super nice, but I haven't had a chance yeah. to. To stop by yet? Yeah, he's great. I I love that guy. He's like a grandfather, really. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So I actually didn't know about his shop till like later on. And I really wish I had known earlier. Would have got me on a better track a lot sooner, <laughs> I guess. But uh, yeah. So the funny thing was um, I had no sense of proportion. Like fly, fly tying hooks, I would just go to Walmart and mm-hmm. stuff and buy like. Eagle claw had, hooks. Had a boy. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, they worked. But, um, no, it works, man. But so I was seeing all these like trout nymphs and stuff like, um, like zebra midges and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I, I didn't have a sense of proportion. I saw they were on like a scud hook. And so I was buying these like one, two watt catfish hooks <laughs> and tying yes. zebra midges with them. Yes. <laughs> so that's what. That is. Oh my god! That's how I start. Still, I know, right? Oh man, I wish. I don't know. I might, I might, but um, but yeah, that's. Were you using a whole spool of thread to tie a (laughs) zebra on a one on hook? Oh my god! Recreating an earthworm. Were were you buying your thread at Walmart too? So you're getting like heavy sewing thread. Oh yeah, yeah. And then you were tying. (laughs) So me, you know what? This is amazing. That's great though. (laughs) Yeah, but um, and you know, we were getting like, I would. I was at a private school. We were, had chickens, so I was, like, stealing chicken feathers and everything. And <laughs> yes. the neighbor there even had guineas. And so I had, I have, like, a bag full of guineas. And guineas are, are barred, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, no, they have a, they have speckles on them. That's right. Okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just got started doing that. And then I started going to, every time I'd come up to San Antonio, go to Bass Pro Shops, that's when I really started figuring it out. And I would just take pictures of flies and everything and then yeah. go home and try and tie them. Kind of break them down. Like yeah. what's in this? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's how I got started. So flies. when did you decide, Hey, I'm going to start tying flies and trying to make money. Um, it was last, last May. Mm-hmm. Right on COVID. Yeah. 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 And that's how we started I, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah. We were just like, I didn't have a, um, summer job and I was trying to make a little bit of money so I started uh selling some of my flies and I released like a box and it blew up and I was getting orders like crazy and like way like way too much I could not really (laughs) handle I was um I was sitting at the table with my like school computer and my schoolwork and watching the teacher's lessons while time flies. <laughs> and I just remember for the whole month of May, my back was just killing me because I was always like hunched over yeah, time flies. Yeah. Just nonstop. I, it got to where like all the patterns I had in that box, I just, I could time with my eyes closed, yeah. literally. Um, but I made pretty good money in my opinion that month. And so then I was <laughs> so like, you, all right, you've this, actually this came awesome. out on the, you've come out on the positive of making money on time flies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah, so. that's I mean. good because I think the biggest thing is uh, n- not a lot of people sell them, but yeah. fly tying could be a money pit. 
Yeah. Well, I think you start off yeah. too with having like the boxes in general because the boxes like you get like people get feel like they get the value, but then like, ah, it's just good. Yeah. I mean, and I all like, um, you know, get a, get some money for a box and I just turn around and spend it on materials again. Yeah. Or someone asked me to tie something. I'm like, yeah, sure, I can tie that, but then I gotta go buy materials and mm-hmm. I'll go out and spend. I need to quit talking about money. But <laughs> 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 yeah, but um. It's going good. It's yeah. Good. yeah. So you've been doing it for a year, and you've gotten way too many orders, and maybe hopefully you'll get a couple orders from uh, our podcast. Do you? Right. Are you at a point now where you have, like, boxes ready to go and, like, yeah, ready I, to ship, or, or are you, like, tied to I, order? I'm usually, because I'm doing, like, more custom kind of fly orders. Um, I have one right here, actually. It's my latest one. Guys picking it up Thursday. Uh, this is my biggest order yet, actually. I'm actually not done with it. Um, yeah, is that a Lando bug of, in there? Yes, it is. Yeah. A lot of local stuff. These aren't for it. That's great. But, uh, but yeah, right now, it, I guess I'd say business is going great. Yeah, that's good. I'm able to I have plenty of time for school and athletics and everything. But, you know, at night I come home and tie away some flies. That's another one of my favorite. I say this flies. is dirty. Yeah. yeah, the Montana Hybrid. That's a really good fly. Those are some of the Matadors, and then got some Rio Getters. In I there. like how you put the um, like best uses, the name of them. Yeah, the size. it's kind of it's kind of random. It's really just whatever comes to mind. Yeah, when I think of no, no. Flies. I mean that's like when I say when I got my box from you. That's the one thing that I I yeah, love. You know, yeah, like, that's a nice little customer service touch because I you know. I worked in fly shop for five years. Um, still kind of do, actually. But the biggest thing is, like, you know, I know the names of flies because I order them. Mm-hmm. But most people that are coming in and buying flies, they don't know the names, and they don't have a way to remember yeah. what it is. And so I would, like, sit down and write names down if they want. Like, hey, I, like, can you tell me what this is? So I'd, like, take a little piece of paper put the name and then cut it out and like section it off kind of like that. But mm-hmm. that's just, that's a great idea to have yeah. that in there. So people know what they have and then they can keep it in their box. And they're like, well, this worked. Yeah. I need to order a dozen more because I, Oh yeah. When they're all out, they have, like, yeah. Thing. You know, it's like a little thing. Like, Hey, and yeah. more. I feel like, I mean, when I, when I started, I mean, I'm not trying to brag, you know, or anything, but I would have absolutely loved to have, you know, like, those boxes, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, like, hey, this is assortment what, of fly. Being yeah. able to say, like, hey, what would what works good here, and can you give me, you know, however many thirty dollars worth of flies or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just a little bit extra that you can do for people, yeah. like you said, because not everybody is going to take the time to do everything they can to know all the research about all the flies. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they just yeah. want to get on the water and catch some fish, and yeah. that you know that skips yeah. a step for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Um. What. Uh, what other flies do you have over here? Are these oh, some other? These were just some. So actually, what I started doing recently is um, I had this like picture board right next to my uh, fly tying desk, and I've started just hanging flies, sticking them in the wood there uh-huh. as like bucket list fish. Like that, this fly right here is hopefully someday going to catch me like a GT. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This looks like a yeah. great tarpon fly. Yeah, tarpon. That's my. So you're you're, you're tying the flies for your bucket list fish. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's exactly. a great idea. So I'm thinking like, 
and I'm definitely going to save these. So, so when, um, hopefully, you know, this is like goals, but, uh, right. You know, someday when I'm, you know, I don't know, like I could be 60 years old, but I'm going to be like, I remember when I tied this when I was a teenager and yeah. now I'm here and now I'm catching these fish. Yeah, that's awesome. Out. I, so that's, uh, my favorite flies to tie are actually tarpon flies. I have really? so I have a huge box full of tarpon flies because I, I don't know why. Tie I just it's I get the most enjoyment out really? of tarpon flies. Well, salt um, flies are just fun to tie. Yeah, yeah and bonefish flies sure. too. I've tied a ton of bonefish flies. Yep. This thing will, this thing will catch you a lot of bonefish for sure. Sweet, glad to hear. It. I really like. I actually this GT flies kind of. Um, dumb looking but i actually put a lot of thought into it with um it's got like a real dense head but this is very sparse uh-huh. so what i heard from like gts you need to be able to like cast a fly like really far but it's got it needs to be light uh, you know s- somewhat big to really mm-hmm. get push the, the water and yeah. push the water so it'll it's pretty sparse really light but it's got a dense head so yeah. hopefully it does what i want yeah it to do. and uh I got a lot of intel too because before COVID, I had a GT trip planned out. It got canceled, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but from what I was hearing from a lot of guys, like that tan color and white, like bonefish colors, mm-hmm. because that's they're out on the flats eating bonefish. Really? So that's, that's nuts. like that. Those white colors, like the green stripes on the back, are like uh-huh. tan. Um, um, was like the go to go to color, especially if they're like real pressured. Those lighter natural Ooh, colors. Good to hear. Um, what size hook is this? It's like a four aught. Four aught, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this will be great, man. Sweet, thank you. Yeah, I got a couple. Um, um, this is a little cool fly. Um, oh yeah, it's like, like a guide little, fly. Yeah, called a grub bug, but uh, because it's like a conventional fishing grub, but it's super easy to tie, and it's like for those of you guys at home, it kind of has like. What did you say the, the body's made of? Or what's the body made out of? It's uh, an EP uh, minnow head brush. Okay. Yeah, and you just kind of trim and it down I think a little bit. that color goes perfect. So that's the Everglades color with the um, Wopsy fly tails. The, um, they're like pumpkin orange flake. Yeah, you got a little jig hook on there, a little gold yep. head, and then you got a little uh, little twisty tail, a little mm-hmm. rubber tail. Yep, yep. This almost looks like a redfish crack. Very similar. Yeah. So these are, uh, so I've only gone for redfish once and I absolutely loved it, but it was like pretty last minute. It was like the night before he was like, a buddy of mine was like, Hey, you want to come out fishing for redfish tomorrow? And I was like, heck yeah. And so, uh, it ended up working out, but I didn't really have any saltwater materials and stuff. And so I just kind of threw together some this stuff. guy up and that's the exact one. I only had that one and that fly stayed on the rod the whole day, caught like, Ten redfish on that nice. one right there. Yeah, the nice thing is redfish aren't picky. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So you, you could have thrown them. like anything yeah. on the table yeah. and they would have eaten it. So, um, no, for sure. What's uh, your favorite thing to to tie? Ooh, favorite thing to tie. Hmm. I I really don't have a favorite. Yeah, I really can't say. I I honestly do everything. I do like. I like finishing like a big fly mm-hmm. i just like you know it's just something about like a big fly you know you get your proportions right i like being i like having the um 
ability to be like super sloppy with my thread wraps as well and everything. <laughs> like with a, you're tying a size 18 trout fly, you have to, everything's really uniform. really precise. Yeah. Yep. yeah. But you yeah, know, you with a big fly, you just slap it on there and you can brush it out later. Yeah. And <laughs> throw yeah. glue on no, it. No, absolutely. Yeah. You just kind of do you whatever. Know, and then it's like, and then you step back at it and you're like, wow, this is this is really cool looking. Especially know? when it's huge too. Yeah. Uh, do you do any art? Do you do any articulation? Any articulated flies? Um, yeah, I've uh, started playing around with the game changers a little bit. Okay. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really like just I just use the um, like four to five inch game changers. Yeah. So what? Yeah. That's how many? It's uh, usually chunks um, is like that? Three yeah, or four so the hook and then three shanks. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's what I usually tie, and I think it's perfect size for. What, what I do? Yeah. What tips would you have for beginners that want to get into fly tying? Maybe someone's listening and they're like, oh, "I want to try tying flies." What would you say is like fast track fast track them with your wisdom? Oh, um, I mean, YouTube is everything, really. There's so much on YouTube, and uh, man, I'm trying to think about this. I mean, you can go any you go into any fly shop, really. I mean, I've never gone into a fly shop and met a guy who's, like, not super friendly and willing to help out a beginner, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, just, like, be patient. It takes time, you know? It takes a lot of time to just – I mean, it's just little things. You look at a video and you do all the steps right, but there's just little things that you can't really tell people they're doing wrong or tell people to change. You just have to, you know – play around with it and figure it out on your own. Yeah. Like that kind of leads into what you were saying earlier with the proportions too. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, if you don't pay attention, like with this thread wrap needs to stop at this point, the next thing you know, you're, and I think the whole thing's crammed. I think the difference between like good fly tires and great fly tires is consistency. Oh yeah. Like if you were, if we open this box and all your flies look the same, like all these look exactly the same, they're consistent. Then that's the hardest. That's thing. the yeah. hardest thing is that's to be consistent and have that control. And if you haven't caught a fish on a fly, you haven't tied. It's like it's an it's a normal feeling for me now. But I remember in the beginning, it was like it's kind of it changing. It's a different feeling. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. yeah. And if one you've put in the time to say like, man, today they were really eating. I could see these minnows or there's this hatch going on. They're really eating like this, and I didn't have anything to match it. And then you go home and you invent a fly and then you go back the next day and you catch fish on that. That's like super, super good feeling. Yeah. You know, you really like worked for, for that fish. So yeah, if you haven't experienced that, definitely, you know, give it a shot and fish, honestly, they'll eat so much stuff when you're, when you're starting out, you know, it may look ugly on the vice, but it'll probably catch fish. Yeah. Yeah. Fishermen are a bigger critic than fish. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Flies are for the fishermen. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, what are your favorite tools to use? That was a question we got yeah, when yeah. Kevin was on. Yeah, what's your favorite tool? What what for? What do you mean for fly time? Like, what's yeah, the what? one tool outside of your vice that you couldn't live without? <laughs> I mean, like, I guess a pair of scissors. Okay, something. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like I could tie. Is there any? A, uncon- I could tie without a bobbin. I've actually done it before. Like, just hold the thread. Yeah, I've actually done it before. Is yeah. there any unconventional tools that you use? Um, that you're like, oh, I picked this up at the hardware store, and I use it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I used I use a, um, 
a really fat colored pencil okay. that like broke. And so it's like the inside of it is haul, haul. Anyway, it makes like a super great big half inch tool. Half inch. Yeah, half yeah. inch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. when you're doing deer hair, it's like perfect for pushing it back. And then I also use, um, I make my uh, own articulated shanks. Okay. And Chase Smith told me about this, but it's like some jewelry making or yeah, like jewelry wire. Yeah. yeah, Chase uses uh, jewelry tools to yeah. make his own shanks. Yeah. So I do the same thing. Yeah. So copy yeah. that from him. Yeah. yeah. And Chase is a super nice guy. Oh, we yeah. need to get he him is. on. Yeah, um, definitely. What? Um, one more question. You have big dreams of going. You're tying flies for your dreams. Like, what is your dream place to go? Place to go and fish, yeah. fish to target. Yeah. Well, I was like, I was actually talking to my parents about this the other day, but mm-hmm. I mean, I would be too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Definitely, like, probably, like, the Seychelles. I've just been, like, dreaming yeah. of that feeling of having a fish that just can just, you know, rip your whole... <laughs> your line off your rod. Line <laughs> off, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, like, nuts. Or that your 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 fly line can actually break. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't have your finger guard on, it can just burn straight through your finger or something yeah. like... You know, it's just, like like, stuff like that. Like, now I'm starting to sort of chase the adrenaline adrenaline side of fly fishing mm-hmm. which i feel like fly fishing there's like two opposite sides and um lately i've been kind of going for more of that adrenaline side versus like the peaceful serenity side you find in like yeah. mm-hmm. trout, trout streams, streams and stuff drifting dry flies which the nice thing is there's there's those there's two because i go through phases where like yeah. oh today i just need to be out on the river yeah for sure. And it doesn't matter. I don't care what I'm fishing for. I just need to be on the river. Yeah. And that, like, I guess, like, fills my cup up, yeah. I guess. And then other days, I'm like, I need to catch a big bass today. So yeah. I'm just going to throw huge game changers all day. <laughs> I know exactly. I don't, you know, that big I don't guy. care. Yeah. yeah. It's like, for me, being on a river is kind of weird. Like, I say it clears my head. But I feel like when I'm on the river, I'm, like, thinking, like, so much and, like, super clearly. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like, if I ever have, like, a really good idea about something, which probably doesn't happen too often, but uh, if I ever have, like, a super good idea or something, it oftentimes comes on, on the river. On the river. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, one more question. How much longer are you growing out your hair? <laughs> oh, man. I don't really know. We're just kind of, we're just trying to see, see what happens. Hey, right just here. keep it going, man. Just keep it going. <laughs> just keep it going. <laughs> There's no uh, rules right now. Yeah, exactly. Do you play exactly. football or anything? You got the flow coming or like no, lacrosse I don't, or anything? I don't, you got the flow coming <laughs> out the back? I don't play football, no. I run track, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So we'll see. Eventually, I mean, I'm not. I, there's definitely a point where it needs to stop. So, <laughs> so, but hey, yeah. we're finding that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, it's goes. like, I mean, while I have it, you know, someday I'll probably go bald. So, <laughs> so enjoy well, while you can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. There you go. I like that. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Gabe. What yeah. we're going to do is we'll uh, – do you have a website? I know you're on Instagram, and um, if people want to order flies, what's the way to do that? Yeah, you can just email me, Gabe Cross Fly Fishing, Gmail. Okay. Yeah. We'll put that in the description yes. okay. so people Perfect. can just find it right from the podcast. It. And we'll link your Instagram too. Yep. Sweet. Thank um, you. And that way people yeah, can Yeah, Gabe, thanks for coming on, man. That yeah. was great. Thank you all so much. Hey, Ian, uh, do you have some words of wisdom to close with? 
No, but um, I can – let me think. I like what Gabe said. Like, tie your own flies and hey. catch a fish on them at least once. I think those are – that's I've, – I've done that. I don't tie, but I have somehow achieved that, and it really is <laughs> special. So. Yeah, I, and I don't yeah. think uh, – to go kind of bounce off what Ian said, I don't – after working in a fly shop and stuff, I don't think that fly tying is for everyone. It is definitely not the same thing as fly yeah. fishing. Um, but take a class, see if you like it. I yeah, know yeah. like a lot yeah. of fly shops offer classes. Give it a shot. And if you don't like it, Gabe ties flies. <laughs> so you guys can order them from yeah, him. Exactly. Um, so Good flies to catch fish. Yeah. I like what you said, Gabe, though. That's really true, man. It, it, there is just a really cool sense of accomplishment when that happens. Yeah, there is Thank a you. difference for sure. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, on that note. All right. All right we'll see you guys next week. See you all next week. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>